Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the readings for the second Sunday in Lent. The Gospel reading is from St. John chapter 3, and it's an interesting event. We have the Pharisee Nicodemus coming to Jesus and asking about baptism. Now, there's two ways, well, I'm sure there's actually more ways, but there's two main ways to look at Nicodemus. The first way is Nicodemus is scared, and he's not sure how to deal with Jesus. So in the veil of night, he sneaks over to where Jesus is staying, and he asks him about baptism. We hear in the opening verses, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in this opening volley of questions, we see that Nicodemus recognizes that Jesus is not just another guy. He's not just an upstart. He's not just a, a good rabbi, a good teacher, but that he comes from God. And this is huge for Nicodemus, and this is huge for Israel. It's huge for us. Because when we recognize that Jesus is not just a good moral teacher or a good rabbi, but that he is the Son of God, that he has come to be God with us, God among us, our Emmanuel, we see so much more happening but notice Jesus doesn't dwell on this. He just got done being tempted, according to our, our text. And we hear Satan, if you are the Son of God, you can turn these stones into bread. And if you worship me, then I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from this pentacle of the temple and angels will take care of you. That statement, if you are the Son of God. Again, as we heard last week, the idea that Satan is frankly saying, prove it. Prove that you are the Son of God. And Jesus does, but he doesn't do it in the ways that Satan is offering or tempting him, self-serving and uh, misuse of the divine power nature of who and what he is. We see that Jesus has been preaching, he has been teaching, he's been doing miracles, but it has all been in service. He came to serve, not to be served. And people like the Pharisee Nicodemus have seen this. And you know, they have been going home and talking and wondering, who is this Jesus? How is he doing these amazing things? And it'd be reflective of the works that the prophets of the Old Testament had done. 
And so Jesus doesn't dwell on, yes, I'm glad you noticed that I'm the, the Son of God, that I have all this power, that I'm doing these amazing things. Hey, did you catch this miracle that I did over here? That was great. He doesn't do any of that. In fact, he goes to the heart of the issue. Nicodemus, you're a Pharisee. And your theology is based on works righteousness. Your theology is based on the law that you are doing or think that you're doing. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this born again statement, this made alive, this hits a chord with Nicodemus because you immediately hear him say, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And, of course, we, we know that Jesus is not talking about another physical birth, and he says that. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that is which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you see and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it came from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And once again, Jesus is setting up this great wonderment and joy and gift of what baptism does. Baptism makes alive. Baptism creates faith. Baptism brings and adopts people into the kingdom of God, into the who and what the church is. And this is what is being laid out for Nicodemus. And with this, he's having some issues with that. Because again, we need to understand where Nicodemus is coming from. It's where our old sinful nature, our old Adam comes from. I want to earn it. I want to do it. I want to be the one who is the active agent of my salvation. And did you choose to be born? Did you choose your parents? Did you choose your life? And I mean that in the, the big sense. And the answer is no. And Jesus is laying that out too. He is simply saying, I chose you. I, with my power, with my might, with me being the sovereign God, I have chosen you. I have chosen you out of death. I have chosen to make you alive through water and the spirit that I have sent. It is I who opens your eyes so that the revelation of who and what I am, the Savior, the Redeemer, God, can be seen and can be believed. And this is laid out to Nicodemus. It's also laid out to you. And this just blows my mind on so many levels because, again, my, my inner Pharisee uh, starts coming out because I really like Nicodemus. He's asking all the good questions. And as I said at the beginning of the, the, the podcast, we can take Nicodemus one of two ways. Either he's scared and he's going in the cloak of night to figure out what's happening, or we think that possibly, and again, kind of going on this uh, 
scared theme that uh, he's going in the really deep of night and he really wants to be a disciple. And he is so scared of being connected to Jesus that his other pharisaical uh, brothers will not just make fun of him, but cast him out, will ridicule him, will see that he's connected to this rebellious Jesus. And so the two ways that we can see Nicodemus is, hey, I got some questions. And I'm just going to go hang out, and I just so happen to do this at night. Or I'm scared. I'm weak in this. And I run and hide in the cloak of night because I am looking for something new that the law is not providing. The old traditional ways of doing religion are not working out because I see what Jesus has revealed. And we need to, to think about these things. What is getting in the way of seeing who Jesus is? Have we attached emphasis on traditions, on ceremonies that are not right? Meaning that if I just do this, God will love me. If I just do this, I will have salvation. If I just do this, and notice it moves the focus from what God is giving and delivering in, fill in the blank, to I did this for God. And now we become an if-then. And I heard somebody once say that when we start doing the if-then, if I do this, then God does this, we're making God into a divine vending machine. We put our money in, push the right buttons, and we get what we want. This is not how it works, because again, we see that Jesus talking to Nicodemus, that the Spirit is like the wind. It, we hear it, but we don't know where it comes from, and we don't know where it goes, but it does what it does. And the great thing about that is that it's exactly what the Holy Ghost does for us. I don't know the will of the Holy Spirit outside of that it is immediately connected to the will of God, that all be saved, all here know the promise of Christ crucified for salvation, for the sure and certain hope of life everlasting. That is why the Holy Spirit's given. It's why we preach, it's why we teach, it's why we have church, it's why we have all the things that we do in church, so that people will know who Christ is, be strengthened in this knowledge, this saving faith, and then take it out into the world. Okay, so we're not done with Nicodemus. So he's had this, this big theological bomb dropped on him that he must be born of water and the Spirit, not just another physical birth. And you, you know he's just trying to wrap his head around this. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can these things be? And I, I like to think that Nicodemus is really really trying. He wants to believe. He wants to be connected. He sees the bigness of what Jesus is. He doesn't understand it, but he wants to be a part of it. And not in a selfish, oh, I got to get on this ground level ministry because this is going to be great. He sees that God is at work. And the problem so often 
And this is not bad. The problem is that God is so big, so mighty, so powerful. When he works, it's not that we're missing it. It's that it's so big we can't grasp it. We can't participate in it because of all the great and amazing things that are taking place. And too often we just pull back. Ah, I can't do it. I don't get it. I'm not a part of it. You know, however uh, human thing you want to throw in there, we, we quickly do too often. But Jesus doesn't let Nicodemus off the hook on this. Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak what we know and hear and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And here again, Jesus is dropping all these huge theological bombs. He is opening himself up and showing Nicodemus, I have come to bring salvation, and I am going to do it in this horrific way of dying on the cross. I will be lifted up. And for Jesus to say that last part, and especially connecting it to the serpent on the pole from Moses and the the fiery serpents, if anyone looks upon the bronze serpent, they will live. He's connecting himself to this. And throughout the Old Testament, we hear whoever is on a tree, on a cross, is is damned, is condemned, is cursed. And this is what Jesus is saying, that he is going to this cross, this tree, and he is going to die. He, But his death is going to bring about life. And if you believe on him, you too will have this life, this eternal life. And this has to blow Nicodemus's mind, because how do you deal with that? What do you mean you're going to die and I'm going to be saved? How is your death going to rescue me? And we're, we're going to see this, this issue of that Jesus is not just a man, but he, as we know, has the two natures, the divine nature and the human nature, the earthly nature. And in his flesh, he is going to be fully God and redeem the flesh. He is the one who is lifted up on the cross, on this tree, to make right what has been broken. And because of that, we get to have eternal life. And this turns Nicodemus's world upside down because it has taken the responsibility away from Nicodemus. He no longer has to look at the law and say, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Am I perfect enough? Am I clean enough? Am I enough for God? Because the answer is no. 
you are not enough for God. I am not enough for God. I continue to sin. I continue to rebel. I continue to remain in the state of being a rebellious enemy of God because I continue to sin. And I sin through my normal actions of just being a sinner. But then my actual sins, uh, lying, deceiving, uh, whatever else you want to throw in there, we're, we're all guilty of these. But, and I love this but, Jesus comes and says, look upon me. And this isn't just the physical look. It isn't just, oop, I see Jesus. The seeing is seeing who Jesus is. The revealing of the work of the Holy Spirit, the baptized life changes you. We get new eyes. We get new ears. We get new heart because now we see, we hear, we believe in the Messiah, not some just good guy who said some good things, but we have the good God who said the greatest things, the greatest gift. Your sins are forgiven. Come and live. I have forgiven you. I have made you alive. I have brought you out of the depths of sin. I have brought you out of the depths of death. I have done this. And again, Jesus is the only one that gets to talk all about himself and not be arrogant because this is always the giving of himself. This is always the work of what he has done to be put upon you. And this is what is laid before Nicodemus. And then we hear John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And again, this gospel is laid to Nicodemus. This gospel is laid upon you that Jesus comes not to bring wrath. He is not the new lawgiver. He's not the one who shows up and says, look how perfect I am, and turns around and points to you and says, do it yourself. He says, my life is laid upon you as gift out of my love for my people, my creation. I come to my own so that you will have life, so you will have immortality, so that you will be with me where I go. I want you with me. And so we have this promise. And, and I I would be so curious as to how Nicodemus receives this. Because I tell you, dear listener, when I hear this, I get excited because I know this is mine. But without fear. But dear listener, I get excited hearing this. And yet I hear the whisper in my head, is this really mine? Am I good enough? Is it really this good gift? What's the catch? What's the string? And immediately I start working to figure out how I can earn this gift because I know I'm not good enough. And yet Jesus continues every Sunday 
And every time I come to him to reveal the truth that he has overcome my sin, that he has overcome my death, and I get to live in his work. And this is the struggle of what we have on this side of heaven. And I I wonder how Nicodemus heard this. What did he think? Because we hear him question. He's trying to make this all earthly. How can I be born again? And he misses the fullness of what God in Christ is giving to him. And we do this today, and we do this a little bit differently because we want to we want to minimize our sin. Oh, yeah, we're, we're good about talking about baptism. We're good about talking about forgiveness. But then we don't live this out. We don't live the freedom of what Christ delivers to us. We figure out new ways to sin because of our freedom. And this is not the place that God has put us. This is not what God has given to us. He has given to us the life of service, the life of love, the life of forgiveness. And it's not only receiving this forgiveness, but giving this forgiveness. It is the joy of building up, not tearing down. It's the joy of being connected, not being separate. And we will struggle with this on the side of the resurrection. And we get to struggle with God. We get to struggle with one another, but we do this in faith, and we do this in the knowledge that we have been brought into the family of God. We have been brought into the kingdom of God through His work. So, dear listener, as you continue in this Lenten tide, rejoice that your sins are forgiven and that God is with you as we travel this Lenten season all the way to the cross to the resurrection, and ultimately to life everlasting. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.